And scripture says that he transfigured himself before them, that his clothes became dazzling white. Good morning, Christian America. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. This is the passage of scripture in, in the gospel of Mark chapter 9, where Jesus takes some of his disciples onto the mountaintop and he's transfigured before them. This is one of the most miraculous portions of scripture. This is one of the most majestic moments of Jesus's time on earth. We are giving, we are given a glimpse through scripture today about the majesty, the power of Jesus and who he actually is. Get your Bibles and get ready to get into the word today. Good morning, Christian America. And good morning, Christian America. Eddie here is always representing the Christian American revitalization effort. We seek and strive to revitalize the Christian faith across our nation. We seek the spreading of the gospel, the spreading of the wisdom that scripture gives us, that Jesus provides us through his example, through his ministry, through his words, and through his actions. We seek to not only spread that message, not only to teach that message, but to inspire, to inform, and to educate you guys, the audience, so that you can then go and inspire and inform and educate others. Right? To train the trainers, to mentor the mentors, to uh, read to those who will take carry the message. Why do we believe that that's so necessary? Why does this need to exist? It needs to exist because in our country today, in our culture today, in our society today, the word of God has been trampled on. It's been trampled on people who do not believe it. And it's been trampled on by people who claim to believe it, even from the highest of pulpits, even from the largest of organizations and institutions. The word of God has been subverted and is being subverted all over the place. We're not here to cast aspersions. We're not here to, to, to cast blame. We're not here to uh, judge inappropriately other people and organizations. None of that. What we're here to do is to seek to revitalize your faith, revitalize the Christian faith across this nation. We do that by bringing you scripture. I'm going to read it to you verbatim, and I'm going to show it to you. That way there, there's, there, there's no mistake in there's no mistake in what's being said. There's no mistake into the actions of Jesus and what he actually says and what he actually does, what is actually documented by eyewitnesses who put these gospels together, that put the the the, the epistles that Paul and, and James and Peter and John have written. Let there be no mistake in your mind that these things are true. If you believe in the word of God, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, whom we have known him to be for over 2,000 years. If you believe in the word of God, if you believe that God is the author of all life, if you believe that God is the author of all marriage, if you believe that God is the author of everything that is good, and anything that is good is built on something that God himself created the standard from which he created humanity he created everything 
You have to believe these things. And if you do believe these things, then we should not be led astray because we should have the due diligence. We should have the intestinal fortitude. We should have the commitment, the resiliency to fight the slings and the arrows of the enemy and the enemy's ideas and arguments that are false. But in order to fight those false arguments, in order to fight off the wickedness of the world, we must also be educated in our faith ourselves. It's extremely difficult to stand strong against the slings and the arrows of the enemy when we have not equipped ourselves with the knowledge and the wisdom that God has easily provided us. When we haven't taken it upon ourselves to look at scripture, to read it, to ponder it, to meditate on it, to understand it, reflect on it, and reflect on the world today and, and how it applies to us. Because friends, it does. It does more than anything else in our lives. Scripture is the most important thing in our lives. The love of God is the most important thing in our lives. Because without it, we have nothing else. Nothing grows good without the word of God. No good comes from any place else, but from the ideas and the actions and the examples and the words and the ideas that God has given. It's when we don't listen to the word of God. It's when we don't seek his advice. It's when we don't seek his intervention in our lives. And we go the opposite way because maybe it's tough at, from time to time. Maybe it's too hard. Maybe we don't know. Maybe we uh, our faith falls short from time to time. We lose heart. We succumb to the world. We are weak. And it's in those times when we turn away from God's word that the wickedness happens, that calamity happens, that division and hatred happen, that lust happens, that gluttony happens, that we are full of ourselves and our own ambition. We are prideful and we move away from God and we become even more sinful. It's a clear line that the closer we stay to God, the better our lives are, the better our communities are and the further we separate ourselves from God that the worse that those things become so it's important that we understand that idea when we get into scripture and listen and find out who God truly is who Jesus truly is where his where his status is even as he walked this earth from those who knew him personally, those who walked with him, and their accounts as to what happened. So that we know and we can gain strength and gain faith that he's going to win this battle, that he's already won this battle. We need to make sure that ourselves, our minds, our hearts are placed in the right position, focused on him doing his work and his will. So that, yes, that we can have eternal life, which is most important, but we can also have a, a life worth living here. Because that life worth living, that life with meaning, that life with purpose is only found in God. 
And so with that, let's get into the word today. If you follow us on this podcast, you know that we're making our journey through the gospel of Mark. We just finished Mark chapter eight. We're starting today, Mark chapter nine, and we're just gonna bring you a snippet. We wanna flood you with information. Two, three verses of scripture is plenty for 15 to 20 minutes uh, in the morning for you to ponder on this weekend as you make your way uh, out into the world and spend some time with your family. Let's listen to what the gospel of Mark has to say when Jesus takes his disciples up to the mountaintop and miracles take place. Chapter nine, verse one starts. Scripture says that he said to them, amen, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see that the kingdom of God has come in power. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his clothes became dazzling white such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses and they were conversing with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus in, re in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents. Some translations say three tabernacles for you. One, uh, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came casting a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly looking around, they were no, uh, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. Friends, this passage, this miracle, this mystery, this eyewitness account from these three apostles that accompany Jesus, no one knows what the purpose of this encounter was. No one knows the conversation that took place, as scripture said, between Jesus and Moses and Elijah. Would we love to know what was actually said? Yeah. Are we going to make things up in order to fit an agenda? No. Scripture says that these things took place. Let's look at them. That Jesus takes eyewitnesses who will eventually write letters that are Scripture and that are gospel. John, Peter, James. He takes them with him so that they can account for the things that are about to take place. They get up to the mountaintop. They're all alone. And scripture says that he's transfigured, that he's turned, that Jesus turns white. His clothes turn white, so white that that color doesn't exist. It's so dazzling white 
that no fuller on earth could bleach them. And then out of nowhere appear the prophet Elijah and Moses, both from the Old Testament. One who speaks with God, well, actually they both speak with God, but Moses, the lawgiver, and you have Jesus having a conversation on a mountaintop. It says that the disciples who had seen Jesus heal, they had seen Jesus multiply the fish and loaves, they have seen Jesus drive out demons, seen Jesus calm the waves of the, of the sea and calm the storms of the skies, are now seeing this. Imagine their fright. Peter doesn't know what to say. When he encounters Jesus, when he interacts with Jesus, he said, Rabbi, it's great that we are here. Let us make three tabernacles. Let's, let us make three tents. He wants to keep. Peter, Peter's a mere mortal, just like us. If we were to see something so grand and so great, we would probably do the same. We would be fearful. We wouldn't know what to do. We would be tongue-tied. We wouldn't know what to say. We would probably say silly things. We would probably do silly things. And, and hopefully no one is recording. But luckily for us, they recorded this interaction. And so Peter doesn't know what to do. He said, hey, let's let's keep this. Let's stay around a while. Let me, let, let, let's impart uh, some, some wisdom on ourselves from either Elijah or Moses, you know, let's make this last. The minute he tries to make it last, the minute he tries to equate himself into the equation, they're gone. Just like that, they're gone. A cloud comes over the mountaintop with a voice. The second time in recorded gospel history that you, that you hear a voice from heaven. The first is at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan with John, where the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove and they hear a voice from the clouds that said, this is my son who I am well pleased. This time, it's a little bit more declarative, a little bit more direction-based, where God's voice comes down and says, this is my beloved son, dot, dot, dot. Wait for it. Go back and read it. Listen to him. Listen to him. He's telling the disciples who are with Jesus. Listen to him. Because they recorded this, he's telling us. Listen to him. Listen to him in what? In everything. Listen to him in everything. Listen to him. Watch him. Emulate him. What everything that Jesus has said up until this point, now you should really be paying attention. Because when he comes down off the mountaintop, You've been given a direct command by God to listen to it. Maybe you didn't know that before. Maybe they didn't know that before. Maybe we're just reading the first, you know, eight chapters of this gospel saying, thinking, oh, this is a nice, this is a nice story. This is a, 
this is interesting. I'd like to think about some of these things. Oh, th this kind of makes sense. Maybe, maybe that's the way you read the first eight, eight chapters of this. But in chapter nine right here, you get a directive from God, from the people who were there. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. A is the son of God. Listen to him. So from the next, from, from now until the rest of this gospel, from now until the rest of scripture, anytime that Jesus is doing anything, saying anything, you should be listening to him. So when he says to love one another as you love yourself, you should listen to him. When he says to love God with all your heart, mind, your soul, and your strength, you should listen to him. When he says that you should not be a stumbling block, a scandillion that others may stumble upon in their faith walk, you should listen to him. When he says that if anyone teaches and subverts the word of God, it'd be better that they have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea. You should listen to him when he takes the body and the, and the blood and he raises, or excuse me, he takes the bread and the wine and he raises it up. And he says that this becomes my body. And he says that this becomes my blood to do this in memory of me. God says to listen to him. When Jesus stands firm in his conviction of the things that his, his task that God has given him, he tells us to listen to him. Everything that Jesus does, everything that Jesus says, everything, every part of his ministry and example is a message to us. Not so that we read and go, mm, that makes sense. Oh, I really like that message. Oh man, I real feel I feel good today that I read this scripture, that the, I, I read this the, this parable. That's great, but the key is not just that you read it. It's not just that you hear it. It's not just that you meditate on it. It's not just that you ponder it. It's not just that you spread it or introduce it to others all of those things are great all of those things are necessary but what god says today in this passage on the mountaintop with his son with moses with elijah and with the three apostles with him that we need to listen to jesus we need to listen to him we need to follow him we need to seek him. We need to stay with him as close as we can. That's where we need to be. Let us never be separated from the word of God. Let us never be separated from the love of God. Let us never have our own agendas that are greater in our lives than God himself. Let us not have our own wishes and our own ambitions that lead us away from him but yet let his love and our love for him lead us in our walk towards him. 
even if it means turning away the trappings of the world or the things in the world that we think that we want, that we think that we need, that we think that are going to make us happy. Let us turn from those things. Because there's only one who can fulfill. And that's God. And he's telling us to listen to his son. This weekend, listen to him. Next week, when you start your week, listen to him. When you go to church on Sunday, listen to him. When you interact with your friends, listen to him. When you interact with your in-laws and they come over to the house because it's summertime, you start to do things, listen to him. When people get on your nerves, listen to him. When you're in traffic and you're upset, listen to him. When the cashier is taking too long in line, listen to him. When somebody attacks you for your faith or your character, listen to him. Friends, listen to him. I pray we all have the strength to do that when the time comes. If you like messages like this, if you want to hear more messages like this, follow us on social media. This Rumble channel, this YouTube channel, uh, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Parlor. Let us not forget Parlor. Follow us and you know comment on the video link below. Let us know what you think. Am I out of line here? Did you take something else from this? Did you take something else or maybe something that you want to add to based on what the scripture says? Something that interests you? Something that, that sparked an idea in, in your head? Something that God is speaking to you? Let us know. Post below. Comment below. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, until Monday, where we pick up right here where we left off, you guys stay on fire for Christ. Stay blessed. Good morning, Christian America.